Hi, I'm Todd Farmer. And I'm Sam Wright. On Friday, we had a major tornado come through our area that traveled over 250 miles across multiple states and impacted western Kentucky and Arkansas um, all the way up through Indiana. Today on Monday, there's a confirmed 64 deceased Kentuckians with more than 100 missing. We know that this number will likely change when you hear this episode. The Kentucky communities impacted include Mayfield, Dawson Springs, Princeton, and Bowling Green. Communities in Arkansas and Illinois were also affected by deaths at an Amazon warehouse and nursing home. Since this storm system hit multiple areas, we wanted to shift our focus this week on our podcast to kind of talk about how to deal with tragic and unexpected life situations like a tornado. So next week, we'll be back with more answers about life decisions. But this week, we wanted to take a moment to provide listeners with some answers on how to deal with unexpected situations and resources on how you can help. Today, we have Crystal Janes and Cassie Singenberger from Emerald Therapy answering our questions today on What Should You Ask? Hi, I'm Todd Farmer. And I'm Sam Wright. And this is What Should You Ask? Thanks again for joining us today on this special episode of What Should You Ask? We've got Crystal Janes, Emerald Therapies Practice Coordinator, with us today. Well, first, Crystal, thanks for joining us. Uh, these are really unusual times, and I think a lot of people don't really kind of know which way to turn or if what they're feeling is normal or not normal. So we just wanted to ask some questions. So how people deal with life-changing events, you know? So like if you have a something like a tornado, a flood, a serious accident, what kind of emotions do, do, do people typically go through in something like that? Most people will go through a range of emotions depending on how the event impacted them and what their level of involvement was in that, in this case, a disaster. Um, it may be denial. It may be anger frustration, fear. There's a lot of emotions that you'll go through and that may change from one minute to the next, depending on uh, where they are in working through that. Um, Yeah. So if it's like a trauma, so are there like specific steps that people kind of go through when they have a trauma? A lot of times from a counseling perspective, there are steps that people tend to go through, but everyone goes through those steps in a different pattern. Not everyone goes through them the same way. Not everyone's experience is the same. So what may be, um, what may start off as anger for me, you may start off as being fearful or in denial that the event has occurred or the loss has occurred. So it's it varies from person to person, depends on their experience. So Crystal, every day we hear more about those injured or folks who lost their lives. How should somebody process pain of somebody unexpectedly passing away? I mean, is there like a recipe? Probably There's not. no recipe. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's different from person to person. I think it depends on their emotional IQ. Tip, everyone's okay. a little bit different. Um, so it depends on your experience with loss as well. Someone who hasn't had a significant loss or a traumatic loss um, will process differently than someone who's maybe had a f- similar or familiar experience. I was actually speaking with someone today and um, they made the comment, you know, I've been kind of going through a grieving process and they had lost their husband 
and I thought this had been recently, but it had been about seven months ago. And, you know, my callous self, I'm like, well, you should have gotten over that by now. But I didn't really know. I didn't know how to respond to that. How do I respond to someone who seems to be having trouble moving on? I think the the biggest thing that's always been a take home for me is just to to be there for that person and be supportive because you don't know what has taken them to that point and maybe why it's taking longer than what you would expect. So what does support look like? Uh, it looks like being there for them, um, showing support, calling them, um, spending time with them, um, inviting them out to events maybe that you would go to that you normally may not invite them to, but something they may enjoy, um, just to get them um, to fill them back to their self, right. hopefully. Because you got to remember, you have two uh, men here who at least once in our lives have been probably accused of not being um, supportive enough wouldn't you say, Sam? Yes. At least, at least once Maybe, in our life. Probably you. Yes. <laughs> so, what does when you say you need to be supportive? Um, that doesn't come natural for me. For example, because I'm a fixer, I fix problems. That's what we do all yeah. day long. And when I go home at night, if there's a problem, I don't really want to hear about it. I want to fix it. Right. So, what does being supportive? look like? What does that mean? It means being a listener and not a fixer. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a challenge. Not giving a lot of advice. A lot of times when someone needs to process or talk about, it's not about you having an answer for me. It's not about you telling me this is what you need to do to feel better. It's about me being able to express how I feel and you you validating that. I understand. I, I see what you must be going through. I hear and kind of just repeat back and validate what they're feeling. It's not about trying to fix it. Tragic events like this have happened. You know, folks are kind of, if they were not significantly and directly impacted, but if it's in their community, I mean, do they continue to function as normal? Do they continue on with their daily routines? I mean, there are a lot of folks in Western Kentucky from Louisville all the way West that are probably facing this. Like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know? Absolutely. And I think that's a very valid question because it is hard for those of us. I wasn't directly impacted, but yes, um, it's a it's a good question to say how how much is too much. Um, but I feel like we all need to still from just from a sense of normalcy, we need to be able to try to keep things as normal as possible because there's people around us. We all have children and um parents and and siblings that still need to function normally. And if you start accommodating your life because you feel guilty, Mm -hmm. you're not living your life. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting because I was talking to someone at lunch today and they were, they had had some really good things happen to them over the weekend that they normally posted things on social media. And he was just saying, you know, I didn't even want to post that this weekend because I felt guilty about it. And I, I, I guess you don't stop living your life, right? You don't. Um, and I think people still, even in the midst of disaster, people still want to hear about the good things that happen. You still want to, to celebrate. You still want to know that there are things outside you that are still good for people. 
Hi, I'm Todd Farmer. And I'm Sam Wright. And this is What Should You Ask? We now have Emerald Therapies case manager Cassie Sinnenberger joining us today. When you see these pictures of people in need, you know, you have this desire to just jump in there and go help. Yeah. Uh, yeah but, like I've had folks who are like, I'm going to take a case of bottled water to Graves County. And I'm thinking, well, that's really great. But they need like tanker truckloads of water. Right. When you see something like this, what do you think the first thing you should do is? So um, I'm like you. I'm a fixer. I want to help people and fix everything. And unfortunately, with a a disaster like this, um, it's not that easy. We can't pick up and move buildings. And um, I think the the first thing you can do is um, there's a lot of GoFundMe's where you could donate money. There's um, different shelters you could go to and volunteer at. You can donate food. Um, there's so many things that people in all of these areas are needing right now. Um, I think the main thing, too, that people want to remember is um, don't give your opinions. Just something like that is going to be helpful. That's a good idea. Um, We'd have to bite our tongues. We? <laughs> what am I going to talk about if yeah. I can't give my opinion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another thing is um, I would just tell them, you know, what they're going through. You Like um, Crystal said, you could be a listening ear. Um, offer to help with everyday tasks that you can, that... Um, even if that's transportation to a doctor's appointment, a lot of people need help with things like that. Um, and remind people everything that you do, see, smell, taste, everything's different now. Okay. You know, I, I had someone ask me yesterday, they said, you know, I want to give money to this, but I don't know who to give it to. And I don't want to get scammed. And mm -hmm. I want to make sure that it goes to the right person. So how do we, what's a good place to start to make sure that, the, yeah, that the resources are going to the right place. So um, if you actually get online, there's actually a whole bunch of resources on there that are legit. And they're always going to be posted through some kind of state organization or Kentucky State Police or the news will post it. And you know that they're legit. Okay. Um, if just somebody is sharing something on Facebook, it's probably not going to be legit. So what what should people not do when offering to help? Share your own trauma story too soon. Oh, uh, Giving advice. Um, definitely don't do that. Do not tell people you know what they're going through and how they feel. That's very unrealistic, and we don't know how each person is feeling. Um, everybody's story is different, and the way that they have deal or dealt with this trauma is not going to be the same as the next person. You know, that's interesting you say that, because, you know, is there anything more annoying when you're telling somebody something that's happened to you and then they have to one up you. Like, oh yeah, I was in two tornadoes <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, another thing is telling people that God needed them, and and it was their time to go. That's not how you want to comfort somebody. Um, giving your opinion about uh, what could have been done to prevent the tragedy. Obviously, that's not realistic, and. Um, it, it, you couldn't probably have gone in a different part of your home because most of these homes were completely destroyed. Um, so there were a lot of ways that this was unavoidable. Um, and do not ask them morbid details or ask them to share their testimony too soon. As I was thinking through, listening to you talk about everything people are going to, it's almost like they've been in a war and have like PTSD type symptoms. Is that a common thing? that people go through in something like this? Um, yes, definitely. And a lot of PTSD symptoms are flashbacks, nightmares, reoccurring thoughts, 
um, extreme worry, guilt, anger um, is actually a huge PTSD symptom. Feeling anxious on edge, um, issues with sleep. Um, and then actually that will sometimes lead into substance abuse. Um, and then some people like to isolate, avoid people, places, and things that are reminders of the trauma. So if you see someone that's going through a lot of those symptoms, whether it's been diagnosed or not diagnosed as PTSD, it doesn't really matter, and you, and you want to try to help them, how do you help them? What do you need to try to steer them towards if you can? Um, I think that it's important to remind them that they're not alone. Um, people experience any kind of mental health issue at any time of the year, and a disaster is only going to kind of, you know, tenfold that for them. Um, trauma is a normal human response to an abnormal situation. Because um, let's be honest, it'd be very strange if people didn't react in some kind of way in a situation like this. Um, and I think that it's also important to. Um, just remind people that we're all wired differently in terms of how trauma affects each and every one of us, but we can always build resilience to it. So tell me if you looked at like a timeline of helping Cassie of like, you know, one week out, two weeks out, six months out. I mean, how do you know how to help and and what kind of what that help looks like as the weeks progress? So I think um, right now, initially, a lot of people are in shock. Um, and right now you can't even really begin to process because you're still trying to, you're in crisis mode. You're trying to figure out where you're going to live, what you're going to eat the next day. Do my kids have clothes? And so for us right now, it kind of seems like everybody, the only thing we can do is give resources at this point. Um, I don't feel like the actual therapeutic aspect is going to really start until probably next week when people are settled and can really take in what's happened. Um, and then a month from now, I'm sure people are really going to need more help than they've ever had. And that healing process is probably going to look like a lot of therapy. A lot you know, of people to lean I, on. That's a great point, because I know when someone passes away, it's like there's all these people rushing there to be there for them the first three days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I exactly. always feel like. You know, what about I, the middle of February? What about the middle of February yeah. when I'm sitting home by myself for a whole week and I haven't right. seen anybody? That's when you need people to reach out. Exactly. And right now, everybody wants to help. You know, we have over 180 people who were sent here to help. But then when all this fizzles down, who's going to be there at the end of the day for all these people who still need help? They need some kind of consistency. They need people who are going to be dedicated. And, and I think that process is going to look like just a lot of su continuous support, not just right here, right now. What if you don't have the financial means to give money or, or buy items, clothing, water, whatever it is? What are some other ways that you could help? Volunteering. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people need some volunteer work. Um, there's also people who can help uh, move all the rubble and things like that. Um, even if it's just coming through and trying to help, you know, get some things out of the street or something like that. Um, anything that you can do as far as just volunteer work would be amazing. Even if that's making a plate uh, at a warming shelter for somebody to eat, any, any little thing, no matter how small or big it is, would be helpful at this moment. So I think Emerald Therapy actually has a foundation for assisting com the community. Can you talk to us about that just a little bit? Yeah. So um, we offer a lot of different services. Um, we do do um, therapeutic services for anxiety, depression, mental health assessments, things like that, grief support. 
And um, right now, our nonprofit is actually helping a lot of kiddos that we can who need clothing or food items or coloring books or stuffed animals for comfort, things like that. So um, if you are in need of that, we're just asking people to call and let us know or reach out on the website, whatever they can do and however we can help everybody that's going through this. The website is Emerald Therapy Center, one word, dot com, right? Emerald Therapy Center dot com. And that's where they could uh, potentially reach out to get counseling or therapy if they needed it. Yes. Or you could um, call us at um, 270-534-5128. Okay, great. And we've had Crystal Janes and Cassie Singenberger here from Emerald Therapy. Um, And we just wanted to thank you all for um, showing up and giving us that great information. And once again, if anybody uh, has anything like this going on, they want to reach out, reach out to them at emeraldtherapycenter.com. Also in the show notes, we'll have a list of resources that are that that we've determined we are out there and legitimate. Yep. That, yep, that you can reach out to if you wanted to try to provide some assistance. And next week we'll be back with a regular episode. If you like what you've heard, make sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to where you listen to podcasts. If you loved what you heard, then leave us a review where you listen and tell anybody that we're at whatshouldyouask.live. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we ask what should you ask about life topics. So make sure you come back to hear about what we're asking. What Should You Ask is hosted by Todd Farmer and Sam Wright. The producer is Jennifer Caldwell. Visit whatshouldyouask.live to download additional episodes, suggest a future topic, or get a free book from the host. The information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered as legal advice on any subject matter. You should not act or refrain from acting based on any content mentioned without seeking legal or other professional advice in your area. The hosts, guests, and sponsors remove themselves from all liability for actions you take or fail to take based on any content in this broadcast.